And turn, please, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19. We're going to begin to read this morning with the 15th verse. Glad to have Steve sing. He doesn't know. He and I have sung a lot of duets together, actually. Uh, Fortunately for you all, nobody's ever heard them. Uh, But um, uh, we're so glad he could sing for us this morning. But in chapter 19, this is our final look at this chapter. So we're going to read verse 15. Uh, and uh, then we'll skip after verse 26 a few verses. This is the word of God. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Uh, But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. As they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. The Lord said to, and Lot said to them, All know, my lords, behold, your servants found favor in your sight. You've shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Uh, is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I granted you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. In verse 29, so it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went out up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with the two daughters, and the firstborn said to the younger, Father's old, there's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that you may, we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, when the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. And he also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites to this day. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is your word. Hard words to, to read, Father, but it's how we know it's, it's your word, Father. We wouldn't make this kind of stuff up or include it if it was up to us, but you did. You included it. It is your word. It is truth. It is what you want us to learn from this morning. So we need your Holy Spirit's help, Father, to look at these hard truths, Father, apply them to the way we think, to the way we live, that you might be glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join me in saying what we always should say. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. You know, it's a pathetic and sad story. We weep as we watch the destruction of cities. 
uh, men, women, children, animals, plants. We see the disintegration of a family. The details make us grimace and cause our children to ask awkward questions. But they're questions that are better for us to answer than cartoons on TV or on PBS or in the classroom. Uh, perhaps the whole chapter can be summed up by this. Not only did Lot's family live in Sodom, but Sodom lived in Lot's family. The sin of Sodom attracted God's attention. It warranted God's judgment. Jesus' comment is, remember Lot's wife. So to do that and remember all the lessons from this judgment, then let's go on to the text. First, what grabs our attention is that Lot lingers. Verse 15, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. Dinner's about over, the coffee's ready, and then there's all that commotion outside that we've studied about. And ultimately, the two strangers rescue Lot by pulling him back into safety, and then they blind the mob outside. It's now obvious these are not ordinary travelers. These are angels from God. They've come on a mission. It's the destruction of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities on the plain. Lot and his wife and his two daughters listen to disbelief. They hear the warning, you've got to get out or you will be swept away with the judgment. And stunningly, Lot lingers. He's got a paralysis of analysis here. He, he could be arrested for loitering, I believe. You know, he, he's well aware of Sodom's shortcomings. And it tormented him to watch everything that went on. But you see, Lot had invested everything in Sodom. And he really didn't want to leave. He made a decision several years ago that he was going to chase uh, the, the, the world uh, while trying to raise a family on the side. He craved success, money. When opportunity came, he, he made his way to Sodom to live outside. And soon the business ties and the, the pressure to succeed and the convenience and attraction of city living began to entice Lot and his family like a, uh, into Sodom like a big glass of sweet iced tea on a hot summer's day. And um, you know, he really thinks he can pull this off. He thinks he is pulling this off. He's a city leader. Money in the bank, nice house, morally pure daughters. And I must say, it appears he does not have a lot of contact with Uncle Abraham and Aunt Sarah, who are not at all that far away. Lot and his wife chose to, to separate themselves from the most godly couple on the face of the earth, the two people who could give them sound guidance. So Lot thinks everything is working just fine until it isn't. And so we read, So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city, and they brought him them out. And one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape the hills, lest you be swept away. So suddenly the angels grab Lot and his family by the hands, and they start running through the city. And the command is, is quite clear. Do not look back. Do not stop anywhere in the valley. And for some reason, 
Lot is fearful about the mountains, afraid God can protect him there. So he asks God to go to Zoar just six miles away, and God says yes. Here's the God who's shown him mercy, who has shown him by his own admission grace, who rescued him from the Mesopotamian River Alliance, who rescued him from Sodom's mob and is rescuing him now from Sodom. For some reason, Lot fears that God cannot protect him in the mountains. But then later in the chapter, Lot becomes afraid in Zoar, and he flees to the mountains to live in a cave. Now, why the fear? It's because Lot is filled with despair, despair at the change in his life, a wealthy man to an impoverished man, and now he's hiding in a cave. The consequences of sin can be very devastating. We want to know what happened next. Despite the command not to stop, not to look back, we read, but Lot's wife behind him looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. God's God's cup of wrath for Sodom to drink was full, but it seemed that Lot's wife wanted another cup of Sodom. And so she stops, and she turns, and she looks back, and the word means she gazes. She fixed her eyes. She longed to be back there, back in her normal everyday life. Lot's wife does not trust God's word. God commanded them not to look back. She did not believe God. She'd walked away from Sodom, but she left her heart in Sodom. God had shown Lot's wife grace. He'd shown her favor, but it it did not take, so to speak. Isaiah 26.10 uh, is uh, really describes her situation. If favor, if grace, is shown to the wicked, he, she, does not learn righteousness. In the land of up, up brightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. Lot's wife stares grace in the face, and she turns around. She does not see the majesty of the Lord in the face of grace. To quote the famed theologian Ray Stevens, there's none so blind as he who will not see. Jesus in his comments in Luke 17 ties together the second coming, his second coming as the Son of Man, with the day of the Lord, the day of God's judgment. I want to read a little bit of what Jesus says there, what his comments about Noah's day and Lot's day. Doesn't need a lot of explanation. Jesus is pretty clear. Luke 17, 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who's in the housetop, on the housetop, uh, with his goods in his house, not come to take them away. Likewise, let the one who's in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. 
See, Jesus' point is that what happened in Noah's day and what happened in Lot's day will happen in our day when Jesus returns. So what do we remember about Lot's wife? She looked back. Why? Well, that's where her heart is. She's longing for Sodom. She doesn't want to leave Sodom. She wasn't able to bring much with her. After all, if the angel has one hand, all she can carry is that empty, something in that empty hand. And after the angel let go and they heard the destruction, they were on their own, she began to think more and more about what she'd left behind, the, the social contacts and the parties and the shopping in the house. And so she wanted just, just one more look, just one look. She did not take the command of God seriously and she dies trying to latch on to the life that's passing away from her. She becomes a pillar of salt. If we put all our hope and joy and efforts into the things of this world, we've got to remember this world is passing away. Lot's wife had it all, so to speak, or at least she thought so. Good husband, plenty of money, morally pure daughters. But she was enticed by the world around her. People eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. Oblivious to what was about to happen. Should that sound familiar to us? I mean, we live in a world preoccupied with eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building, oblivious to the hand of God. Times haven't changed that much, nor have people. Like Lot and his, his uh, wife, we live in a world preoccupied with power, possessions, prestige, and pleasure. And that's what people want. And keep in mind, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. We all have to be involved in that to some extent. What matters is the priority of our relationship with God. Are they more important to us than our relationship with God? Than our relationships with other people? Are they our treasures? And if they are, they have our hearts. See, those are the very things Lot's wife could not tear herself away from. The very things she held so closely that she couldn't leave them behind. It's what she lived for. With the angel's command, they told her to walk away from it with her family. She would not do it. She could not. Her family was not as important to her as the things of this world. Now, were there any clues that she was not a believer? And probably just one. Look again at chapter 18, verse 6. Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seeds of fine flour, knead it, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man who prepared it quickly. I go over to chapter 19, verse 3. And he, Lot, made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Show anything different. It's subtle, but it is obvious. Sarah helped Abraham. And Lot's wife did not help him. Uh, Lot's wife was evidently busy doing something else. 
Sarah was hospitable. Lot's wife failed to extend hospitality. And now clearly God's extending her favor, her grace, and she turns her back on the offer of grace to Sodom. And so while Lot and his daughters press forward, she looks back. She sought to preserve her life and she lost it. She becomes the poster child for Jesus' punchline in Luke. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. And finally, we see that uh, Lot's daughters lose. I'm not going to reread the story. What happened to his girls? You know, Lot sent mixed messages about what is acceptable and what's not. He placed them in a culture where sexually everything goes, anything goes. They lost their reasoning power as to what God would want them to do. There's no prayer here. There's no seeking God's will, God's direction. There's only heartbreak. They are desensitized to sin. A lot like Lot today when people no longer see sin for what it is. And I'm sure people analyze this and they they blame it all on being the product of a dysfunctional family. They blame it on Lot or they blame it on the mother. Uh, We live in a world that's always looking to blame the other person. Live in a world that values seeing oneself as a victim. But we can only blame our mom or our dad or whoever for so long. At some point, the responsibility rests on us. There are obvious parenting lessons here, the context we, for our children's lives, teaching them God's truth, making sure they really understand the gospel and they do not just nod their heads. To be sure, these girls were morally pure. They were outwardly conforming to God's expectations. And to be fair, they've lost their fiancés, they've lost their mother, they've lost their home, their friends. Experiencing grief and losing not only the people they love, but everything they thought made their life secure. They're fearful about the future. They don't know where husbands will come from. They know of no options. And it becomes clear they do not have a a moral compass. Quite frankly, it appears they're not believers. They've lost perspective. What's right? What's wrong? So without more clarity, they make a decision. They will take their father's last ounce of dignity and lose their own. And the worst thing is, they do not even seem to realize it. They're so taken up in their sin, they do not realize they've done wrong. The names they choose for their sons show they have no concept of shame. In Hebrew, the name Moab sounds like from father. Ben-Ami sounds like son of my kinsman, son of my family. He could take his daughters out of Sodom, but he could not take Sodom out of his daughters Of course, across the centuries, the Moabites and the Ammonites plagued the people of God. The impact is long-lasting. So what lessons do we learn? Proverbs 4.25 really speaks to this. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight 
before you. Lot's wife could not. She was too attached to Sodom. On the other hand, walking by faith, 25 years or so before this, her aunt Sarah was given the command to leave the city of Ur. She never looked back. She, She lost her old life. Everything she'd known, everything familiar, her friends, her home, only to get a new life. A life focused on the promises of God and not the premises of this world. Walking by faith, Sarah keeps her gaze forward. Second lesson is about the importance of prayer in view of impending judgment. Chapter 19 is all about God answering Abraham's prayer on behalf of Lot and rescuing him. Without Abraham praying, Lot would have died in the judgment. We need to be praying for God to rescue people from the fallen world around us. Rescue our loved ones. Rescue friends. Rescue others around the world. A world that's destined for the very same future as Sodom and Gomorrah. Third thing to learn is that with judgment coming, Lot should have asked to be taken to Abraham. But instead he goes in the opposite direction. He goes east, not west. Not to the person who could have helped him. Do not turn your back on the obvious help that God puts in our lives. But willingly admit we need guidance. We all do. Fourth lesson is that sin brings judgment. We do not need to try to accommodate the sin of our world. Because sin ultimately always brings the judgment of God. So we do stand for righteousness. We do stand for justice. We do stand for love. We do stand for loving our enemies, refusing to submit to the hatred that's become part of our culture's language and mindset. And when we see that sin is destroying people's lives, we speak the truth in love. When we see the world celebrating sin, when we see the world celebrating rebellion against God, which June is in our nation, we must warn them as Noah warned the people in his day, as Jesus warned the people of his day, as Peter and Paul and Jude warned the people of their day, and as John ruled warn people in Revelation. Judgment is coming. There's a parable by the Danish Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard here. A crowded theater hosted a variety show with various acts in it. There were singers and dancers and jugglers and magicians and comedians. And each act was more fantastic than the previous one. And so it created louder and louder applause from the audience. But then suddenly a clown rushed onto the stage and said, you know, I apologize for the interruption, but I regret to inform you that our theater is on fire. You need to leave right away and in an orderly fashion. But the audience thought he was just part of the act. And so they laughed and they applauded. He seemed so committed to his role. 
So the clown again implored them they needed to leave right away or they'd get seriously injured or they might even die. And again, they, they responded with loud and thunderous applause. And at last he could say no more. And so he left the building. And all the other people died. They were destroyed. And here's what Kierkegaard closes it out this way. Our age will go down in fiery destruction. Not to the sound of mourning, but to applause and cheering. Judgment's coming. And the world is laughing. So what about us? You know, first, we just need to be astounded by God's gift of grace in a fallen world. The absolute triumph of God's grace. God shows Abraham grace in answering his prayer. God shows Lot grace in rescuing Lot from this destruction. Now, how do we see that grace? You know, we read Lot's story, and it's hard to come up with a single reason. I mean, why should God show Lot grace? But he did. But here's the thing. Knowing my sinful heart, I could say the same thing about me. I mean, why should you show me grace? And maybe, just maybe, you could say the same thing about yourself. Why should, why did God show us grace? But he has. And God still offers that free grace to those who receive it. And if you're here, not yet a believer, we're so glad you're here. But you need to know God offers you the gift of salvation. The gift of deliverance from a, a world that will one day face a judgment globally like Sodom and Gomorrah did 4,000 years ago. And we escape judgment by turning to the name of Jesus Christ. For his name represents who he did, is and what he did for us at the cross. And yes, remember Lot's wife. She was so close to grace, she should have been able to taste it. But she looked back. She turned back from God's promise of deliverance. She refused to trust God's word. She chose the world. But while Lot's wife refused grace, a thousand years or so later, one of Moab's descendants, one of Lot's daughter's descendants, a woman named Ruth, will remarkably receive God's grace, will believe God's promises. God will take the sordid picture of Genesis 19 and make a beautiful picture of his grace with Ruth who will have a descendant named Jesus. And for those of us who are believers, we've got to guard our hearts in a Sodom-like world. We've got to guard our families, our friends, our loved ones, our church. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. We've got to guard our hearts from the affections of this world. It's not easy. I mean, God created such an amazing world that that people are attracted to worship nature. God created people with a capacity to create, to invent, and some worship what's been made. Others worship the benefits of money, entertainment, 
and many worship themselves in the guise of sexual freedom. Thinking about this world, Lot lingered, and his wife looked back because of all the attractions of this world. Jesus warns us where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. If our treasures and things, then we won't want to give them up, even if it costs us our lives to hang on. Oh, the world has its appeal. Sodom had it. Remember they had plenty of food, careless ease. And we often talk about Thomas Chalmers' helpful reminder of their battle against sin and attraction of this world. God tells us about the, the expulsive power of a new affection. Lot struggled to leave Sodom. His wife could not leave. What was missing? Something else to draw them, a new affection, a new treasure. You see, that's what Jesus is. So when you go back to the words that Steve sang this morning, the one who said, I am the great I am, and then he gave himself a sacrifice for man. There's no other name. Let every tongue proclaim and sing the name of Jesus. Magnify and praise the name of Jesus. No other name but Jesus. There's power in the precious name of Jesus. For every shall reign as king of kings, lord of all, and every living thing. See, we have to resolve. It has to be a resolution on our part. From now on, we'll worship him. We'll praise the name of Jesus. That's the resolve we need, brothers and sisters. The more Jesus attracts us to himself, the less we'll be attracted to the world. And we have as believers in us the Holy Spirit and the transforming power of the gospel to change our affections, to change how we live. So we want to be so in love with Jesus that we lose our love for the things of this world. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we should renew our commitment every day to follow Jesus. We should saturate ourselves with the word of God. And yes, remember Lot's wife. That means daily we decide to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. The world behind us, the cross before us, no turning back. Though none go with us, Still, we will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Father, as we remember this story, may we remember Lot's wife. Father, everything in Sodom was going on just as it always was until it wasn't. And Father, today everything is going on just as it has until one day it will not. So Father, we thank you for your grace that rescues us from the coming judgment. Father, our prayer is anybody here does not yet know that grace, does not know your son Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus and who he is and what he did on the cross as Savior for us, Father, today, draw them to Jesus Christ, we pray. And then, Father, as your people, may we be so drawn to Jesus, to the matchless Savior, Jesus Christ, that, Father, we lose our attraction to the things of this world. And that, Father, we will gaze straight ahead like Abraham and Sarah. No turning back. No turning back. Give us strength by your spirit, we pray.
in Jesus' name. Amen.